Hello, welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Evan Brand. Thanks for joining me. I'm a certified functional medicine practitioner and a functional nutritional therapy practitioner, and I help humans feel better and get to the root cause of their health problems. You know, technically, I could probably start helping pets too. My wife's been doing a lot of research about pet vaccines. Have you ever looked into that? It's pretty crazy because, like, for example, even with cats, for example, they will pump cats every year full of rabies vaccines, but apparently you can do a test to confirm whether or not the last year's vaccine is still working. So then boom, 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 you're just hitting them with more and more metals. And there's a reason you don't see wolves getting cancers and lipomas and other things like dogs do. So there's a massive, massive link between the toxicity that we create for our pets, the food, obviously. So we've learned a lot. It's been really fun. Uh, But we'll do another podcast on holistic vet stuff later. I've got that I've got that planned, not scheduled, but planned. So we'll get to that. Got a really cool lady I want to interview. Today, we're going to get into the topic of POTS. POTS is something I've dealt with, and many people who have Lyme or co-infections like Bartonella or Babesia, activation, mycotoxin exposure, adrenal issues, you can have POTS. This is just the generic term for when, now clinically, there's some diagnoses that can happen with certain elevations in pulse rate and heartbeat and all that. And we'll get to that. But really the, the simple thing of how to understand what POTS is and do you have it is, do you wake up and you feel a little woozy getting out of bed? Do you sit on a couch for a while? You stand up, you feel lightheaded. Sometimes you feel like you're going to faint. Maybe you have fainted. I know one time I was in my grandmother's garden and I was basically trimming some of her shrubs or whatever. And I was bending over for a long time in the heat. I was probably dehydrated. I stood up and passed out. And I thought, whoa, that was a first. Luckily, I didn't bust my head open falling back. But it could be dangerous. So this is something I really want to help people understand and want to help you provide some solutions. And I do work on this issue clinically. And personally, I've significantly improved my pot. So if you need help, please reach out. Or if you have other health concerns or symptoms, you can view the full list on my website. If you go down to the bottom, you should see conditions and you can read about all the symptoms I can help with. That's on my site, evanbrain.com. And I've got Megan Gump on staff as well. She's certified in functional medicine and also nutritional therapy like myself. And she's had all of my same training, but plus she... Uh, basically passes all of her protocols to to me. I sign off on all those. So we have a great team going and look forward to helping you. So if you need help, please reach out. Otherwise, enjoy the podcast. And if you need help with a good generic, when I say generic, that makes it sound cheap. It's it's better than generic. But what I mean is a good broad spectrum adrenal support that can help you. Check out my Adapt product. It's on AuraRoots.com. That is my go-to. That and my new Epic Multi. If you haven't checked that out yet, it's absolutely incredible. It's called Epic Multi. We work with professional healthcare manufacturers. We ship in glass bottles. They're beautiful. They're amber bottles. But more importantly, the quality, the potency, the purity, the testing we do and our manufacturers do is insane. These are not consumer brand products like other people peddling supplements. These are professional products that I use clinically. So check out the Epic Multi. And the adapt that would be a great one-two punch if you are struggling and want to get a boost from your catecholamines your adrenals and just cover all your bases those would be a great one-two punch so check it out have the link in the show notes below enjoy the podcast i feel like i start every story or every podcast by like complaining a little bit but that's okay because we learn from our personal struggles and that's what makes us better practitioners so i was telling you before we hit record that when i had the you know what virus uh, I had a lot of POTS-type 
symptoms. I was really dizzy. I was really faint. I was having some lower blood pressure. I was having some heart palpitations. I was having some mental confusion, just felt out of it. And so dealing with it personally, I definitely tried a lot of different things. So you and I are going to try to go into it. You and I were talking about the adrenal piece. So why don't you just start telling us about that? What do you think the connection is? You think it's a more of a low cortisol deal, a high cortisol deal? You think it's just adrenal weakness, the whole HPA axis dysfunctioning as a whole? Or do you think there's any specific part of adrenal problems that's, that's causing this? Yeah, great, great, great question. So First off, you know, what is POTS, right? So essentially there's like dysautonomia happening, right? The autonomic nervous system that controls heart rate and blood pressure, uh, sweating, all of these different things. These symptoms are over-exaggerated now. So when you change body positions, you may get very dizzy, lightheaded, right? Your heart rate may be really up. Energy, fatigue may be up, right? In conventional medicine, they're gonna use a tilt table test to kind of simulate that change in body position, and they're gonna test your heart, they're gonna test your blood pressure, okay? Now, the typical response you want in, in natural medicine, there's a test called the Raglan's test, which looks at blood pressure and correlates it to adrenal dysfunction. And so the Raglan's test basically tests your blood pressure when you're sitting or laying down, and, it, and then you stand up or change body position, and you want your blood pressure actually to go up about five to 10 points, okay? People that tend to be more on the pot side where they have a lot of those symptoms on changing their body position, they tend to actually have a drop in blood pressure. And that's important because when you change body positions, now if you're like more horizontal, well, guess what? It's easier for your blood to flow to your brain, right? Because blood flows downhill and if it's level, then that, that works too, right? As soon as you get up, now you really have to pump blood uphill if you will, to get to your brain. And so if you have a drop in blood pressure, you're not gonna have enough pressure to perfuse that blood, nutrition, and oxygen to the brain. So that's a big thing. So you may have symptoms in regards to your heart, in regards to dizziness, right? Body awareness, all those different things because you don't have adequate blood pressure. And so that's a common sign with adrenal issues. And it's possible to be on the POTS spectrum where you have that change in body position, you have that change in lower blood pressure, but you know your conventional medical doctor may not be able to diagnose you with POTS because it's not severe enough. So like anything, there's a, there's a continuum on a diagnosis, right? Disease, allopathic kind of criteria is here, and then we have optimal health here, and usually there's a spectrum of where you may sit where you're kind of in no man's land. And so uh, most of our POTS patients right, who are on that pot spectrum where there's blood pressure issues on the lower side or the change in body position causes lots of disturbances cognitively, cognitive-wise, heart issues, whether it's faster or, or beating through the chest kind of things or abnormal rhythm, all of these things are connected to adrenals. And adrenals are, of course, connected to blood sugar. They're connected to your minerals, your sodium, your chloride, your magnesium, your potassium, blood sugar, cortisol, glucocorticosteroids, and then, of course, your adrenals eventually have a connection with your sex hormone. So you can see chronically lower DHEA that can create other lower or more sex hormone imbalances that can create more issues, whether it's PMS, low progesterone, more anxiety, more depression, poor sleep. So you can see how an adrenal issue can easily spin into a sex hormone issue, partly because the adrenals really are one of the backup generators for the sex hormones. And so especially if you're a female, you're gonna rely on those adrenals to pump out DHEA 
sulfate, and that's going to be a major building block. So as you transition into menopause, you're going to rely more on those adrenals. So as you hit your 40s, it's common as those ovaries aren't supporting the hormonal output like they used to, that you may start to lean more on the adrenals and more of those POTS type of symptoms may show up. Yeah, well said. Well, you, you pointed out something really interesting. I never thought about it like this, but you and I clinically, we kind of operate in the no man's land, meaning that people may have not been extreme enough, as you mentioned, to get the clinical diagnoses. I mean, the same thing happens with celiac, right? They'll say that you have to have something crazy like 95% tissue destruction in the intestines to be considered celiac. But if you're like 94%, they say you're not celiac, go eat some bread. It's fine. So it's very interesting point you made. And we've actually had clients report this too, where they'll say that their pulse rate or their heartbeat only increased by maybe 20 or 25 beats upon standing. And they were told clinically it had to be 30 beats. So if you're 28 beats, you're still not POTS. If you're 30 beats, increase your POTS. And so that's the problem is there's this huge in-between area where people have these symptoms, but then they go to their doctor and they're basically going to get told that everything is fine and there's really nothing we can do for you or possibly what they'll do if it was moderate enough but maybe not clinically uh, diagnosed on paper maybe they do a beta blocker because they say okay i understand you're standing up you're having heart palpitations you're having chest pain let's go ahead and do this metaprolol or other beta blocker to try to calm the symptoms but then you never actually fix the adrenals you never support the hormones you never fix the minerals and all of that still goes unaddressed and then of course you get the side effects of the drug and then you create more problems. So you see how this could be a, a really big slippery slope. And then also one thing I want to mention too, because I experienced it personally, was you mentioned like the, the dizziness and that kind of stuff, but also just mental fog. I mean, if you don't have enough nutrients, enough blood flow, you just feel kind of spacey. So if you're having trouble with focus, a lot of times you and I are looking on like an organic acids test to try to look at dopamine or other neurotransmitter problems, but this whole dysautonomia POTS thing could also create brain fog. So that's just something else that we're going to be looking for and trying to address. Yeah. So typically with POTS is you're going to have a combination of a drop in blood pressure, right? So conventional medicine diagnosis is looking at a 20 um, millimeter drop in mercury on the blood pressure cuff on the systolic. That's the top number. And then about a 10 or more on the bottom number. So if it's normally 120 over 80, you know, you gotta be at, you know, below 100 over 70, if you will. Okay, and that's in the first couple of minutes of, of that change in body position. And then typically as the blood pressure drops, now you're not able to move as much blood. And so what has to happen is your heart rate has to increase to compensate for the lack of pressure. And so as the heart rate increases, that's where you start to see the increase in heart rate. That's where the um, the postural orthostatic, that's the change in body position, tachycardia, that means faster heart rate. And so that's where you start to feel your heart beating out of its chest, okay? And so then you have the drop in blood pressure on one side and the increase in heart rate on the other side. So the first thing we look at from a functional medicine perspective, where are we, in, in, where are we at with hydration? Okay, are we getting enough water and hydration in? Number two, is that full spectrum mineral water? Are we getting a really good mineral water? Are we getting? Are we adding additional minerals to it? And then number three, where are we at with diuretics? Coffee, tea, things that have caffeine, because coffee or tea, number one, will increase adrenaline, right? And adrenaline is part of this whole POTS cascade. So increase adrenaline, 
Increased cortisol can always increase the heart rates, but it also acts more as a diuretic where you pee more water out. That drops your blood pressure. And then when you drop the water, you drop the minerals and you, your heart needs sodium and chloride and magnesium in your minerals to function. Remember, magnesium is a natural beta blocker. And so if we can get the minerals in, that brings the blood pressure up because water follows minerals. And if we can get minerals in that relax the heart, because magnesium is a natural beta blocker, right? And so that can really help start to relax the heart, but you got to fix the underlying issue. And so you got to really get, and that's just a couple of lifestyle diet strategies out of the gates. We'll talk more specifically, but anyone that has POTS or POTS symptoms, we have to really look at the adrenals. And, and you may not necessarily have an Addison's issue where your cortisol is pathologically low, right? Or Cushing's where it's pathologically high and maybe some kind of an imbalance in between. That's why we use the word adrenal dysfunction because some people are high in the morning, low at night, and vice versa. So it may not be high throughout the day or low throughout the day. You could be somewhere in between. And so we really got to look at these things and test it and quantify and see exactly where you're at. Yeah, great points. And on the testing, you made another great point too, which is that if you do work with conventional medicine, they may say that your problem is not bad enough to be pathological. So yes. we've had clients that'll do just a morning cortisol sample via blood and their doctor says, well, your cortisol levels are fine. And it's like, okay, yeah, you took an 8 a.m. blood sample and that's it. That's just not that's enough it. functional data. You have no, maybe you have a better analogy, but my analogy is you're, you're touching the sidewalk to estimate the forecast. You have no idea what's gonna happen Yep. throughout the rest of the day with that rhythm. So if you're having your POTS episode at 2, 3 p.m., you're crashing, well, what's going on from a cortisol perspective at that point with that 8 a.m. blood sample and that's it? You don't have a clue. Exactly. Now, let me mention a, let yep. me mention a couple things too. So I know that uh, a lot of people with mold, uh, just looking at Dr. Shoemaker and his big list of symptoms, POTS is sort of thrown in to some of these symptoms for mold exposure, and then also Lyme. So when you're trying to find root causes, adrenals could be a factor, but there could be another layer deeper. So if you've had any kind of tick issues, co-infection issues, that could be a problem. And so I know Stephen Buhner, I talk about him a lot. He's a really great herbalist who's written a lot of books. He discusses using Hawthorne. And so I've experimented with some heart formulas myself, like mixing CoQ10 and Hawthorne, and I've had really good success with it. And so I think those are two, two good herbs that, you know, two good nutrients that could help. And then also ginkgo could be helpful too, because ginkgo is going to help with blood flow and microcirculation. We use it a lot for brain problems, but I do believe that it can be helpful for POTS. And then let's talk about the adaptogenic herbs. So I guess it really depends on what you're looking like, but in general, adaptogens are going to help modify you either way. So I would say something like rhodiola or maybe a good ginseng, like an eleuthero is going to be probably the top top choice on adaptogens. What would you say? Oh, what about licorice? Should we talk about that? Yeah, so a lot of these herbs out of the gates, you know, they're nice because they're going to help with blood flow. A lot of these herbs like ginkgo or hawthorn, they tend to be used more on the high blood pressure side, right? And so they may help with blood flow, but remember, I think with POTS, there's definitely more of a, blood, a low blood pressure kind of kind of thing. So we have to kind of, you know, make sure we support all of the other underlying issues um, because, you know, a lot of times... If we're not getting to the root, then we may not get lasting results. Plus, a lot of times the medications that are used, what are the big medications that are used out of the gates? Is it just beta blockers out of the gates? I know they do some things like Florinef, which can be helpful, which is uh, basically a pharmaceutical version of aldosterone, which helps to hold on to sodium, which helps increase blood pressure. You kind of alluded just a minute ago, licorice does help mimic that. And so we can use things like licorice that non-deglycerized 
meaning not licorice that's deglycerized. Deglycerized licorice loses that aldosterone stimulating effect and it's more for gut healing. But if we're using licorice that has not been deglycerized, non-DGL licorice, that can have very powerful effects on low aldosterone levels and it can help hold on to minerals better. So for adding more minerals in there, that's helpful. Conventional medicine typically only talks about it from a perspective of sodium and sodium chloride. They kind of forget about the magnesium and the potassium part of it. So magnesium and potassium are also very important. Also, they're using a lot of beta blockers, right? So beta blockers, guess what? They reduce the heart rate, but they also can reduce the blood pressure and they have effects of creating nutritional deficiencies. And it can, it can, you can lose some of those same minerals, magnesium, et cetera, that are also very helpful for the heart in general. So the problem with a lot of the medications, they can actually make some of the problems worse in the long run because they're not fixing the underlying issue. Yeah, well said. Here's, here's a couple other drugs. You're asking what drugs. Uh, here's a list of them. There's one called Ivabradine. It's a drug that acts on the heart to slow the heart rate, but it slows the heart with, without affecting blood pressure. And then there's another one here. I don't even, it's hard to even pronounce it, pyreostigamine, the brand name Mistinon or Mistinon. Yeah. This is a drug that prevents the breakdown of acetylcholine. So that's pretty interesting. It's like an acetylcholinesterase inhibitor, I guess. Hmm, interesting. So that's weird. It says they use it for, let's see here, myasthenia gravis, yep. MG. Yeah, that's an autoimmune condition that affects the postsynaptic neuron where acetylcholine plugs in. So, yeah. So they're using that drug for POTS also. I yep. guess it's kind of an off-label deal. Yeah. And then SSRIs for some reason, it says here that, you know, people, I guess they're saying practitioners suspect that the fainting spells may be related to serotonin or some other neurotransmitter. So they also use SSRIs. But once again, none of this is root cause. And as you mentioned, the conventional like WebMD stuff is all about sodium, sodium, sodium. Like you should just be freaking eating spoonfuls of like iodized salt all day, which is just ridiculous. And there's different kinds of salt, right? And there's some salts that we like that like real salt or Redmond's real salt or Celtic salt or Himalayan that are going to have sodium and chloride, but a bunch of other minerals as well, which is great. Um, the problem, a lot of the medications, for instance, beta blockers are notorious for depleting CoQ10 and we need CoQ10 for healthy heart function. So problem with a lot of these medications is you're kind of robbing Peter to pay Paul, right? You're paying your, you're paying your credit card debt from last month with a new credit card you opened this month. And so you can only play hot potato like that for so long before that bill becomes due. We made the point about the potassium too. I think we should talk about that for a minute because you're saying even if we do bring in some of the Celtic or the mineral salts, you're, you're, you may get some trace amounts, right? But you're not going to get a significant amount. So you're thinking possibly supplementing, like we have, I know you and I work with a couple of electrolyte formulas where there's some potassium added in there. So something like that would be better than just straight salt. Yeah, so how I look at it with patients is first thing first is drink enough water. Make sure that water is clean, filtered, no crap, not tap water, number one. Number two, avoid the diuretics, right? Avoid caffeine, avoid alcohol avoid teas, right? So that way you're not peeing out extra water and minerals. Uh, add extra minerals to your water. So a good Redmond's real salt, Celtic sea salt, half a teaspoon, teaspoon twice a day is great. Salt your food very liberally. Hydrate, you know, 20 ounces or so before each meal, 10, 15 minutes before, drink in between meals. It's great. If you're drinking a really clean reverse osmosis water, which is fine, just make sure you add extra minerals back to it. Definitely avoid any um, distilled water. And then if you want to drink like a really good clean mineral water throughout the day, my favorite here 
in Texas, Topo Chico is wonderful, right? It's the, uh, the Pellegrino of the South. Pellegrino is also wonderful, good minerals, sulfate, Gerald Steiner, um, Evian, Fiji, all, you know, Fiji's got a lot of silica in there, really excellent out of the gates, love those. I would say also, you may need to have more potassium and magnesium than what you're getting in mineral water and in, in the salt, because you need about 4,700 milligrams per day. So I recommend everyone head over to justinhealth.com slash chronometer, C-R-O-N-O-M-E-T-E-R, I'll put the link below, run your macros, run a typical day through there. Right, put your age, your height, your weight, your activity level, and you're going to find you need about 4,700 milligrams per day. That's the DRI daily recommended intake. Most people are only getting two to three grams, 2,000 to 3,000 milligrams, and you, you probably have a deficit. And then you also have to factor in when you're stressed and when your adrenals have issues, you may need a couple extra grams on top of that because you're losing extra minerals. So you got to factor that in. So take a look, see where you're at, see how low you're at, and out of the gates, you know, you want to supplement additional potassium, whatever that recommended intake is. If you're at 2,700 milligrams, you want an extra 2,000 milligrams to meet the needs. And then from there, you really want to work with a functional medicine practitioner because if you go too high in potassium without enough sodium to support it, you can actually you can actually lower sodium by doing too much potassium. So you got to keep that sodium potassium in check. Now, if you're doing Redmond's Real Salt, like I mentioned, along with the potassium, you're probably okay. But if you have any POTS issues at all, you really want to be working with a functional medicine doctor like us. You want to be looking at cortisol. Like Evan said earlier, a blood test is only going to look at your serum cortisol, your protein. It's not going to look at any of your free cortisol. It's not going to look at it throughout the day. It's not going to add it up throughout the day. And then we also run organic acids that look at the catecholamines, the adrenaline, the epinephrine. Again, adrenaline, catecholamines, and epinephrine, it's all the same thing. Right, medicine uses these words to confuse the heck out of you. Adrenaline, catecholamine, norepinephrine, all the same thing. Okay, and so we have to test those. And we use organic acids. We'll run tests for vanomandolate or homovanolate, which give us a window into your adrenaline precursor. So if we're burning up adrenaline, we got to support the amino acids. We got to calm down the adrenals um, to really help the body, so we're not creating all this extra stress because that stress causes you to dump minerals. And so if you're dumping minerals, we have to replace what you typically need plus a little bit on top of that. Plus we got to fix and calm down the whole nervous system, right? That autonomic nervous system. That's the automatic nervous system that controls heart rate, beat. These are things you don't typically think about. You don't think about beating your heart. It happens automatically. So we got to help calm that down. Yeah, so even some of the lifestyle strategies can get involved too, right? I mean, you could take all the adaptogens, but if you're just a type A personality, you're a go-getter, you're not resting, you're not taking breaks. So I would argue some music. I would argue meditation, guided meditation, maybe a float tank, a deep tissue massage, maybe myofascial relief, anything that you can do to try to basically downshift your nervous system. Because you mentioned something several times, which I think really kind of just ding, 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 hit the bell for many people, which is the, the variable of stress. And people that are more stressed are going to have this problem more. You're, you're likely not just going to be sitting on an island, you know, getting, uh, you know, spoon-fed pineapple and, and you feel pots. No, this is going to be people that are really under the gun. They're in the middle of a lot of transition. They're, who, who knows, maybe they lost their job. Maybe they had a viral issue that really took them down. Like you had a post-viral type pots come on. So stress, I think, is the, the big variable. And that's where the adaptogens come in and help the nervous system self-regulate. However, I've done adaptogens for years and I can still be stressed. So I still have to focus personally, 
doing the lifestyle stuff. Take the kids for a bike ride, go ride the skateboard, go for a walk, go for a hike, just sit out in the sun and listen to music. So you got to come in with the lifestyle stuff too. You can't just go take the magic pill and, you know, eat the salt and, and be cured. I think at a certain point you need to come in and evaluate your lifestyle and figure out, do I have toxic people I need to cut out? Am I working too many hours? Am I able to delegate some of the, the work? I'm a you know financial advisor and I'm too stressed. I'm working 60 hours a week. Can you delegate? Can you reduce the workload, reduce the stress? Because in a vacuum, the stuff that we're talking about, it won't get you fully out of the woods with this. I do think you have to do a good life evaluation. 100%. Got to look at all of it, right? And that's super important. Now, in general, with um, with a lot of things, we may want to get you know a couple extra you know grams of good quality sea salt. So you can start with you know an extra gram to ten grams of high quality sea salt. I typically recommend starting with a half a teaspoon to a teaspoon, two times a day. Put it in your water, shoot it down. You can also salt your food very liberally, you know, to taste throughout the day. You can also add a little pinch in your water, just enough so you can't taste it. You shouldn't be able to taste it though. You can also drink a good quality mineral water, right? Mentioned a couple of decent brands. And then you can also work on doing all the right things to reduce stress. So I already mentioned a couple of things out of the gates. Um, Blood sugar is a big thing. The more your blood sugar goes up and down on a roller coaster ride, you're surging adrenaline and cortisol when your blood sugar goes hypo, when it starts to go low. And when you start surging adrenaline, it's going to create more mineral um, depletion because you're going to pee it out, right? So we, the more you can kind of calm down that blood sugar and make it more stable, part of that's by being more fat burner, right? Healthy proteins, healthy fats, and dialing in the carbs, less refined, no refined grains, keeping it more to vegetables um, and low sugar fruit. And those kind of things play a big, big role in keeping the blood sugar roller coaster smooth out. The less blood sugar roller coaster, the less adrenaline, the less dumping of minerals. Those play a huge roles across the board. And this is a new problem, by the way, the blood sugar issue that you're mentioning. This is in, in terms of modern history, right? Because if you look at like a hunter-gatherer, for example, maybe they're going to find a beehive and get some fresh honey every once in a while. But never in human history have we had access to the processed carbs, the fructose, the processed sugar, these processed major, grains, major, the flowers, yeah, processed all that. grains, yeah, flowers, any of the stuff that is screwing up our blood sugar, these are all relatively new problems for humankind. So if someone's sitting back and they're listening like, God, why is it so complicated to be a healthy human? Well, because we've screwed it up with the diet, the lifestyle, the sedentary, the stress, the, the schedules, the work hours. I mean, modern life has contributed to this problem. So, you know, I know it's a little frustrating to think, God, why is everything complicated with health? Well, because the diet is a big part of it. And I certainly know that when I had blood sugar issues, I had a lot more unstable blood pressure too. So there is definitely a big connection there. The good news is once you get your diet dialed in and you are a fat burner, you're going to feel so much better. You're going to feel so much more stable. And I remember early on when I was looking at your diet log, we were chatting. I think you were having some of these POTS issues with a lot of the heart racing, right? And I remember looking at your diet and there was like an eight-hour gap in the day mm-hmm. where you weren't eating. I think you were trying to do a little bit more intermittent fasting, things like that. I'm like, wow, you know, you're not going to be able to do those things because the fasting is too much of a stress on your body. Your, your physiology is not strong enough to be able to adapt to that stress. And so if you are doing a lot of intermittent fasting, you really got to be careful of that, you know? So kind of my checklist out of the gates is definitely be more of a fat burner. Avoid the refined flours, grains, uh, high blood sugar types of foods. Uh, add in the extra minerals, half a teaspoon, teaspoon, high quality sea salt per day. 
Work with a functional medicine doctor. Get your magnesium and your potassium dialed in. Half your body weight in ounces of water. Clean, filtered water is excellent. Good quality, um, reputable brand mineral water during the day. All of these things are vitally, vitally important. Good breathing, good movement. Don't overexercise where you're sweating too much. You know, make sure you're doing all the right things, and and get your adrenals tested. Get your organic acids tested to look at your adrenaline as well. I mean, we can always dive in deeper if you have a lot of gut issues and absorption there. There always could be a bottleneck with the gut as well. It's always possible. But those are kind of your first steps out of the gates. Start with the low-hanging fruit. Start with low-hanging fruit and then work on finding a good functional medicine support practitioner to get in your corner. I wanted to bring this up before you wrapped it up. So last thing, detox and sauna. So I do notice that some clients, and me included, if we go too high, we do too much, we do too frequent with sauna and or detox support, especially binders, we can run into some trouble. So just like you mentioned on the exercise, not doing too much, same thing with sauna. I think you got to be careful with it if you're already adrenally depleted, if you're glutathione deficient, if your detox pathways are not working, you can overdo it quick. So I would say the average person could hopefully handle twice a week, maybe 135 to 140 degrees for about 20 minutes. But if you start to feel woozy, you feel faint, you feel like you're going to pass out in the sauna, just get out. You're probably dehydrated. Your mineral are, are off. Your adrenals are too weak. So don't push it. Don't push it. And then on the, the binder piece, work with your practitioner. But in general, sometimes less is more on the binders. I remember when I was doing like eight charcoal per day, I started to feel pretty woozy. And it could have been like a detox reaction, but I think it may have been some mineral stuff too. So I was doing some fulvic acids and some salts to try to help balance it, but I still overdid it with binders. So those are just two other notes I wanted to share. Exactly. So if you're going to do a sauna, make sure if you already have kind of pot symptoms, one, don't do it right after exercise, probably too much stress. Okay. Do, do a sauna session by itself. Number two, take an electrolyte support, a balanced electrolyte support product uh, before you go in and have a good mineral water while you're there sweating. So then any any water that comes out, you're replacing it as it comes in with minerals. So supplement before and then good mineral water during. And that should be, and then try to keep it under 20 minutes and make sure you're not feeling any bit woozy or um, any bit worse in regards to your symptoms while you're in there. I think that's a good kind of general way of, of hitting it. All right, here's my shameless plug, and then we can wrap up. My hydration essentials is an electrolyte formula that I drink. I just do a scoop of it. I mix it with water and drink one scoop a day, and it does have some ribose. It does have potassium, some taurine, some of the other nutrients outside of just your sodium, and I also drink that in the sauna, and I give it to my kids, and I like to actually mix it with beet powder, And we use just an organic beet powder and I add it to the electrolytes because it really increases nitric oxide. So my hands, my feet, everything gets warmer, circulation's better. And I sweat like 25% more sweat in the sauna if I mix the electrolytes with the beet powder and drink that. So that's called hydration essentials. Well, that's great. Another natural thing that you can do on top of that, celery juice is wonderful. You get about one gram of potassium in a, in a cup of celery juice. So celery juice is excellent, very good. It's kind of your, it's Mother Nature's natural Gatorade, right? Problem with Gatorade, ton of sugar, ton of high fructose, ton of dyes. So it's basically crap. <laughs> you, you know, Mother Nature's Gatorade is coconut water. But the problem with coconut water is a lot of sugar in it. So you really only want to do it post-workout. So the best type of natural low-sugar Gatorade is going to be celery juice. So that's a great option for you. A lot of good minerals, a lot of good potassium. And if you do any green juices, really avoid any 
carrot and or any fruit in there because when you juice it, the sugar concentrates really high and that can create this reactive hypoglycemic drop. Blood sugar goes up fast, comes down hard, and this is kind of what feeds into the, all the pot stuff, right? It creates more cortisol aberrations and more adrenaline, noradrenaline stimulation. So just be careful of that. Really good. We'll put links to the, some of the products that Evan mentioned and some of the things that I mentioned as well. Anything else you want to highlight, Evan? And great call on the carrots. You know, when you think of eating a carrot like in a beef stew, you don't think of it as being necessarily sugar. But I have had some clients do what you're describing, which is they'll get into the green juices with the carrots and they'll track their blood sugar. Man, that stuff screws up their blood sugar almost as much as a soda does. Yeah, if you're going to have a carrot, eat it whole. Once you juice it, it becomes a problem. Now, if you're doing like, if you're just juicing like one carrot and you're relatively healthy, probably not a big deal. But if you have blood sugar issues, I stay away from any carrots. If you're going to have a carrot, have it in your salad, eat it raw. I think that's a good way to do it. It's still nutrient dense, but yeah, you gotta, you don't want to throw too much blood sugar on that blood sugar roller coaster. And beets too. Sorry, one last thing. Yep. So I talked about the beets. So the one that we use and carry is a non-hybridized beet powder because apparently just like with strawberries and pretty much every other fruit in the, in the modern world, everything's hybridized now to be bigger, brighter, sweeter. So most beets are hybridized. Even if they're non-GMO, they're hybridized, and so they're going to cause a big blood sugar problem. I have some clients that are just way too blood sugar unstable to handle beets, but if it's a non-hybridized version, it is a little bit more well-tolerated. So just keep that in mind. If you feel kind of woozy, if you do the beet powder thing I'm talking about and you feel weird, it could be messing with your blood sugar. You could always test it. Excellent. Really good. Hey, if you guys are enjoying today's content and how you support us, feel free to click down below, look at some of our links, sign up for our newsletter. If, if the information that we're talking about resonates, feel free to schedule a call with, with Evan or myself. We have colleagues and, and support teams ready to help you out. If you want to dive in deeper, we're here to help you take control of your health. 99% of people may not take that step. Use the information. Take control of your health. You're ready for that next step. We are here for you. Share this content with friends or family. Put your comments down below. I want to know what your experiences are with POTS or any of these POTS-like symptoms. We're here to help and appreciate you guys all engaging. Have a phenomenal day. Take care now. Take care, y'all. Bye now. Bye-bye. All right. I hope you enjoyed that podcast. Hopefully, you learned something. Hopefully, you will apply it. As I mentioned in the beginning, you know, check out the Adapt Formula, the Epic Multi I have on my AuraRoots.com website. Those are game-changing supplements I take every day. And if I don't do those plus some type of a seawater electrolyte, which we are probably going to start manufacturing one that's going to be very, very good priced. But in the meantime, you could check out Quinton with a Q, like Quail Quinton. That's one that works great. It's just these little glass ampules. It's basically a filtered seawater the problem is sometimes when you snap off the little tips of these ampules, sometimes little shards of glass will end up in your cup. So don't drink shards of glass. That would be bad. But that type of filtered seawater has been a game changer for me personally as well. So you might want to check that out as well as the Epic Multi and the Adapt. And of course, if you need help, let me hold your hand. You'll save more money, you'll save time, and you will not build up a supplement graveyard buying things that you don't need if you have someone to teach you what you need to do based on your labs. So if you need to reach out, please do. My website, evanbrand.com, has all the details. And my staff, Megan, she can also help. If my availability is tight, you can get in with her. Her rates are a bit cheaper as well. So we look forward to helping you. And you take great care of yourself. We'll be in touch. Bye-bye.